Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're about to listen to a special message from this last week's service. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for seated. So glad that you guys could be here this morning. Uh, anyone excited to be in church this morning? Church Online family, so glad you guys could be here. Uh, we love you guys. Whether you're here in the building, uh, we are all part of the Kingdom Church family. And uh, to our podcast family, I don't show you guys out enough. Everyone that listens to these words and has no idea how beautiful mustache I have right now, uh, we love you as well. And Christy, my wife, does not agree with my mustache or my hair, but... It's time for a new season of things. Um, so glad you guys could be here. This morning is an extremely special morning. Uh, as you guys can see, there's some activity happening behind me, and I'm going to tell you exactly why there's so much movement behind you. Me. Uh, for those of you guys, uh, if you're new to church, I should say my name is Harrison. I'm the pastor here, and I don't usually talk about my mustache. Um, <laughs> But uh, one thing, if you are new here or if you've been with us through, uh, for a little while, you will know that as a church, um, I believe in vision. I believe that uh, the Bible tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, it's not talking about glasses. It's talking about divine revelation from God. I believe that God leads us. God has a plan for us. And so I believe one of my principal jobs as the pastor of this church is to set the vision for us. And every year I like to come to God and ask Him, God, what's the vision for this year? Now, if you guys were here for our vision weekend back in September, what I said was, God, how can we have vision when we don't know what's next? How do we have vision when everything seems so uncertain? And if things seem uncertain in September, they certainly seem uncertain here in November. And so I felt God say, God gave me a vision for the year, and it was so simple. It was just this idea of speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. And so what we said is when things are uncertain, when we don't know what's next, sometimes we just have to ask God for direction. And we did a whole series. You can check it out on, on YouTube, uh, Facebook, wherever, if you missed it, just on how do we pray? How do we hear the voice of God? Now, for a lot of people, when I say this idea that God speaks, their very first reaction is to say, well, not to me. Hmm. Haven't heard God speak to me. And so, again, I did a whole series. Go check it out. But what I want to do to continue with our vision is I want to show you that 100% God speaks to each and every one of us. I never want us to be a place where people think that God only works through the pastor because I believe God works through each and every one of us. And the church as a body, when we function, it's when we step into that calling that says God can do something through me. And so what I did to make sure that you all know that is I started praying. And I said, God, give me five people. They can share with us for about five minutes on what God is doing in their lives and how God has spoken to them. And so this morning, we have five individuals. Come on, somebody. That God is working in their lives. None of these guys are trained communicators. But you don't have to be. Because when God speaks, come on, somebody. And so this morning, we're going to hear five testimonies. You are going to be blessed five different, by five different people, probably 50 different ways. Yeah. And so I'm so excited that I get to sit down 
and I'm going to hand the mic off over to this amazing group of people. So as a church, come on, let's clap our hands, let's listen, and let's respond. Hello, so... My name is Chantel, and I've been attending Kingdom Church since the very, very early days, the pre-basement stages. And I've been living my life fully surrendered to Jesus for about three years now. The night that I told Jesus that I wanted to give him my life, I cried out to him and gave him everything. I decided that night that I was to run away from home, and then later on, I was to run away from the continent. Jesus found me standing on the doorsteps of a mission organization with nothing but my army duffel bag strewn across my back because it, way, it was way too heavy for me to carry it in my hands. But he found me. And ever since then, he's never left me alone. Every single step that I've taken, Jesus has been guiding me. Every single moment, he's been speaking to me about where he is and what he's doing. I feel as though that when you begin to restore your relationship with God, He begins to restore all of the other relationships that are in your lives. Because He loves us. And as you open yourself up to God, He's going to start speaking to you and He's going to start ministering to your heart, putting together all of the broken pieces that you feel as though is just in shambles inside of you because He wants to see His whole. And so this season, God's been speaking to me through a lot of different people in my life. I've been getting words from many different people at Bible College, because that's just the thing at Bible College. And they've been telling me over and over again that God wants you to stop focusing on being so loving and just focus on being loved. And so it kind of took me aback, because I thought that's what you were supposed to be doing. I thought you were supposed to... Just keep on loving others and showing people who Jesus is. And I kind of got a point at the beginning of this week where I was just kind of stuck. I felt as though I didn't really know what I was doing or where I was going. So I did what I thought that most people do when they're at this point. I showed up at my parents' house, had a really good home-cooked meal, and a nice cry. And then I finally started on my sermon. And it's kind of funny because I was told about this about two months ago, but I didn't start till the beginning of this week. And as I was writing this sermon at my mom's house, I felt my mom glance over at me, and like all good Christian moms, she says, what Bible verse are you going to use? And I kind of answered her with the kind of confidence of someone who had prepared, and I said, I know exactly the verse I'm going to use. There's this verse that's been in my phone, in my Safari app, in one of the tabs on my phone, and it's been there for months, and I had no idea why it was there, but I knew I, it had to stay there because there was a moment that I would need it. And the verse was 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And the funny thing is, God already knew that I was going to be struggling. And he put this verse there in my phone for a reason. And now I knew why. 
I feel like there are a lot of things that Christians are too afraid to say. I feel like they're too afraid to go to God and too ashamed to be honest with Him. And I, that's kind of where I was. I was afraid and I didn't really know what the underlying feeling was. And that's a very bold statement for someone who is in their second year of Bible college who is just really struggling with if God really loved her. I really knew the truth in my head, but I wanted to know the truth in my heart. I wanted to feel it. So I sat down during my regular devotion time, and I was praying, and I started reading my chapters like I always do, and I started writing in my prayer journal until I kind of felt like God told me to stop. I felt a tug at my spirit, and God was like, just pause for a moment. So I closed my eyes, and I just kind of let him fall over me with the presence of his Holy Spirit. He then started speaking to me, overjoyed that I had finally come to rest in his arms, and overjoyed that I had finally given him a chance to speak to me. He said, how could I not love you? I kept sitting there in that moment for well over 20 minutes, just letting his spirit fall over me, letting myself be filled up with the love that he had for me. He was kind of showing me images and reminding me of the true love he had for me and his heart towards me. He first showed me an image of a daddy-daughter dance. He let me dwell on that image for a little bit, and he kind of whispered to me, this is the true love that I have for you. In that silent moment, as the daughter is hugging his daughter, as the daughter is hugging her father, and dancing back and forth together. He then showed me another image of a father who was waving goodbye to his daughter as she was going off to college, with tears in his eyes, revealing to me how proud he was of me. And I got really insecure and ashamed, and I was like, maybe I should be repenting, or maybe I should start thanking God for something. I don't know. But then I kind of felt God stop me again. He said, there's no formula to my love. He said that I was just to stay wrapped up in his arms as he rocked me back and forth, back and forth, and took care of me like a father does. He told me that I needed to remember to take time to sit down in his lap. He told me that he's going to provide for me. He's going to sustain me. And he's going to take care of me. As I was ending my devotional time off there, and I was flipping through my Bible, just going back to past things that God had spoken to me, and past promises that God had told me, my eyes landed on another verse. And this verse says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Jeremiah 31 3. And that's what God's been speaking to me.
So when Pastor Harrison asked me to speak, I was really apprehensive because he asked me to speak about a time that God spoke in my life. And I think that um, it's hard for us as Christians to come up with a time where God spoke to us because we think that that means that we actually hear his audible voice talking to us and giving us instruction or advice. And um, Sometimes it's not always that obvious. I feel like God works in more subtle ways. So my story is about how sometimes God pushes you and compels you out of your comfort zone um, to get you to a place where he needs you to be. So my life before COVID was a life pretty detached from God. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a competitive dancer. So I've been dancing for 13 years. <laughs> and um, I'm a very dedicated student I'm in my second year of university. Um, I also have a part-time job, so pretty typical for a young adult. But I was really used to 12-hour days. I would go to school for six hours and then rush over to work and work for about four to five hours and then go right to dance practice. That would go till about 11.30 p.m. until 12 and sometimes um, 2 a.m. when it was closer to competition. So um, that's all I knew was just busy, on the go, 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 work, 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 work. Um, I kind of got used to this lifestyle of just being busy because I thought that it added to my worth as an individual, as a human being, and um, I think we kind of buy into that a lot, you know, that being busy makes you more important and worth something. Um, and even though I was only getting around four to five hours of sleep every night, and I would often come home and cry to my mom about how stressed I was, I still took on more and more tasks and responsibilities because I thought that that's what made me valuable as a human being. I attached my identity to what people thought of me or, you know, how important I was to them because I, you know, fulfill these tasks in everyday life. Um, I never went to God really for relief of any feelings of anxiety I was having over these tasks and responsibilities. I rarely prayed to Him for peace of mind. I, giving... Like it didn't come, to, it didn't occur to me to have a personal relationship with God because I just thought that I didn't need Him and that I could do it by myself. I, um, for most of my teenage life, I saw God as more of a distant figure in the back of my life, and I think that some of us can relate that we've been there before, where we think like, "Oh, He'll be there if I need Him," kind of mentality, but not always going to Him, not getting to know His character. So whatever spare time I did have in my week, I, the last thing on my mind was spending time with God. Um, you know, I thought I was okay, though, because I was doing so much during the week. Um, I placed my worth in those opinions and acceptance and approval of others, so I thought that I was set. I thought that I was good, but the opinions and approval of imperfect human beings is always fluctuating of you. So your worth was, my worth was always fluctuating and changing based on the approval I was getting from others. And it wasn't a really satisfying life. I felt always unhappy and, you know, just changing. So March came and everything was shut down for obvious reasons. And um, I just finished my first year of university. I, all my dance classes were shut down work was obviously closed, so I suddenly had nothing to distract myself with or fill up my time with. 
Um, so I wasn't busy and I finally had time to relax and sit still. So naturally, I wanted to keep busy. And I, um, I was trying to find new ways to improve my life during quarantine. I'm sure some of you can relate where you've searched up you know, YouTube videos on how to glow up during quarantine. And um, so I searched no workout videos and trying to get my summer body right. But, um, but uh, to my surprise, there were a lot of um, videos that were popping up in my recommended that talked about growing your faith with Jesus and um, developing a personal relationship with God, something I've never got, given much thought to before. And I just thought it was interesting because it felt like God was pushing me in his direction um, using that tool. And, um, you know, finally I've been given all this time um, he was kind of getting probably sick and tired of me complaining that I had no time to spend with him, so he gave me a whopping six months. <laughs> um, so during the last few months, I've been bringing all my mess to God. You know, I've been unlearning, trying to control my own life, and realizing that He is the ruler of my life above all else. Um, I was reading a, my daily devotional yesterday, and it said. Um, it is not wrong to desire the respect of others, but this must not rule our hearts. And I think that, you know, I was definitely trying to look for approval and acceptance in the wrong places, um, which meant my worth was always changing. But now my worth is found in Jesus' love, which is unchanging and steady and unconditional. So instead of living for a world that won't love and accept me as much as God will love and accept me, I've decided to make room for God because he deserves to take up every nook and cranny of my life, every aspect of my life. And so I've decided to step out in faith and follow him instead. That's why I'm talking to you guys today and sharing my story. So, yeah, that's my story. This is, this is new for me because I'm the kind of guy that likes to be at the back away from everything, hence why I do photography. So, ironically, I'm now the center of attention. So, uh, um, I'm glad you're all laughing because it's about to get a little heavier. Um, so, my story kind of starts back um, from the beginning of my life, really. So, I was born in BC. Uh, I moved to uh, Ontario when I was five. And that's where I, I was actually raised in another denomination. Um, and I'm sure some of you that know me know that. But uh, I was also put through religious education from kindergarten to grade 12. And the thing that I always remember is that the focus, um, they never really explained why Christianity was a thing. All I ever remember was don't do this, do that. These are the rules um, and the guilt associated with it. And I remember feeling so guilty and thinking um, more of, of God as a type of person that you'd have to gain his approval through rules. And by the time I got to high school, I was pretty much just angry all the time about it. And I got to the end of high school, I graduated, and at that time when I left the school, I left the church as well. Um, so I headed off to university. I went to a public university. And... That was all good. I, I met some amazing people, and I thought, you know what? This is, this is what I was looking for. I, I met some good people doing good things. You know, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so uh, I started to put my faith in that, and I was kind of like, you know what, this is what, it, this is what it's about. Um, around that time, I met a girl, and I got married at the end of high school, or not high school, sorry, university. Um, and along with that, I also got the job that I always wanted. I finished university. I was, I thought I was on top of the world. Uh, got kind of cocky about it. It was like, you know what, I have everything. Um, and the interesting thing about being too cocky is that uh, the world tends to knock you down a few pegs, or a few hundred pegs. Um, not even a year later, I found out that my wife was having an affair for a year. Uh, and at that time, pretty much everything came crumbling down. I, everything I thought I knew about people just shattered in an instant, and I became just very depressed about everything. And I had friends around me, but it really didn't do as much as I thought it was going to do. And I started to spiral. I just, I ended up sort of looking for happiness whatever way I could. Um, I was pretty much drinking every single night and I was spending time with people, but the interesting thing is that after all those highs, the lows are usually twice as bad. Mm -hmm. And I started to have kind of like this dream um, that would recur where I would be standing kind of like in a crowd of people, but feeling kind of like um, more alone than if, if nobody was in the world at all. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that loneliness started to eat, eat at me. And the only thing I could really think of at the time that was probably better than that feeling was just not existing anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I ended up. And then I ended up meeting Steph. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing about the beginning of that was I still had a lot of anger towards uh, religion and, and churches and pretty much anything to do with it at the time. And she started to challenge me on, well, why do you feel this way? Um, what are your beliefs? Do you believe in God? And at the time I was like, yeah, you know what? I believe in God. Um, but I kind of saw him as like a passive entity, kind of just, you know, chilling off to the side while, while people kind of handled their own business. Um, but uh, for the first time when I came out to visit her, because I was actually living um, in Ontario, like I said, I kind of grew up there and we were doing a long distance relationship for a while. So I came out to visit, actually happened to be uh, Kingdom Church launch day back in September 2018. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of preconceived ideas about what it would be like, but the vibe was completely different than anything I'd experienced. Mm -hmm. That being said, my, my heart was not in the right place and I was actually quite negative internally. I was struggling with a lot of thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I decided to sort of look at where I was, and I was like, you know what, maybe maybe I should have an open mind to this. Um, so I started to come to things every single time I came out to visit, because we were going back and forth from Toronto to Edmonton. And, uh, you know, slowly my heart started to sort of change, and I started to realize that Christianity and God in general, it was not about rules, it was about learning who God is and getting to know Him. And as soon as I, I realized that fact, um, I changed quite a bit internally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of... Um, so that, that's kind of where it all kind of started to, to sort of pivot. 
And at the time, you know, anytime I had doubts, I kind of looked back to, well, you know, look where you were like two years ago. Um, and I started to continue to have that faith that I just, if I continued to focus on who God was and learn about him, I could continue to move forward and get better and learn and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it put me today. I'm still learning at times. I still have doubts. I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, but I but I do continue to hold on to that that fact that it's about who God is, not the rules that I follow. spoke to me and I realized that I've had problems and probably many of you do and I still today deciphering whether or not something I'm feeling is from God or not you know like is this from God or am I just overthinking things is this from God or am I just kind of like manifesting something that I want to hear um but today I want to tell you there's a time in my life where God spoke to me and then he like confirmed confirmed without a doubt that this was from God and he was trying to get something across to me um, so my story starts back in the summer of 2017. Um, I was at a camp called Rockridge in BC. It's a young life owned camp, many of you know. Um, and I was there as a camper. It was like my first, second, or third, no, it was my third year going. Um, and in my life, Rockridge has played a huge role. It's ultimately where I came to faith, where I've grown so much deeper in my faith, met amazing people who have walked alongside me in my faith journey. So I was there as a camper, and I was in this cabin full of girls. And our leader, like the leader of our cabin, decided to do this cool thing where she had these envelopes with our names on them and like taped them on the wall so that throughout the week everyone could like write kind notes to each other and put it in the envelopes. And at the end of the week we'd get the envelopes and we can kind of like reminisce over these like kind words from our friends. But something came up and she like forgot to give them to us and she was like, I will in a week. But a week went by, a month went by, a year went by, and she never sent them out. Um, until two years later. So let's flash forward two years later. Um, I'm actually back at Rockridge, um, but this time I was there as an intern. So I was there for four months, and I was my role was kind of to oversee this department, to like train them. There were people, like young adults coming um, to work in my department, and I had to like train them, uh, lead spiritual like devotionals every day. And so we're kind of in the, like, the stage of just um, preparing, getting everything ready for them, making sure we're ready. Um, and I started to feel really insecure. Like, you know, do I have enough experience to be able to lead these people? Um, I was the youngest person on my team, on the intern team, and I was younger than most of the people that were coming to like work under me. So I was like, probably don't have enough experience. They're all probably more like spiritually wise than I am. And I was just trying to feel. I was just starting to feel really like insecure, and I was just kind of doubting that. You know. Doubting and having a hard time trusting that this is where God really wanted me to be. Um, but one day I came into my room at camp on the internship, and my roommate had wrote me this like nice little note, and she put it on my bed, and it was something really kind, really encouraging. And on the back she wrote the verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which might sound familiar to you guys. Um, which is a cool story in and of itself. <laughs> but uh 
I read the verse, and I was like, wow, this is so good. It's like speaking to me. I think this is from God, but I had my doubts. And I'll, I'll read it again to you guys in a minute. Um, but then this was the same time where I don't know I don't know what happened. I don't know why this happened. But my leader decided from 2017, the note, the letter, she decided to send them out like right around this time. So in a week of me getting this letter from my roommate at Rockridge, all of a sudden this letter from 2017 that my friends wrote to me then arrived at Rockridge, like totally out of the blue. And so I have this thing and I'm like, whoa, this is so random, but awesome. And I'm reading it. And there's letters in it from friends that I don't even speak to anymore, and they were nice things, and it was cool. But one of them uh, stuck out in particular. Uh, it was a note from my best friend at the time, still a really good friend of mine. It said something really encouraging on the front, and on the back, it had 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. So I'm going to read it to you, and I'm also going to read verse 10, because I just think it's really beautiful. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, yeah. So when I got this for the second time, I was like, no longer did I have my doubts. No longer was I like, was this from God? Um, I felt like God, in a really kind, loving way, was like screaming this in my face. Like, you have to understand this. And what I got from it is that I felt like God was telling me, like, yes, you are weak. <laughs> yes, you do have weaknesses. You always have, and you're always going to be to have them. But instead of, you know, feeling shame and feeling like those weaknesses make you not good enough... Instead, like, dive into them and be proud of them and boast in them because it is through those weaknesses, through those hardships, through those insults and persecution that God makes us strong. And so it's through those moments that God works through us. And I just, when I heard it, I just, uh, I turned it <laughs> uh, when, I, when I read it, I was just, I felt so peaceful that God meant for me to hear this. Um, another cool thing I just thought, it was just the crazy timing of, of this. <laughs> My friend wrote this for me in 2017. Thought I was going to get it in like three or four days, but instead I got it two years later in a time where I needed it so, 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 so bad. And to finish off my story, I just want to tell you another quick little story that I just heard a few months ago. Um, but someone was talking about this verse, and they asked, why does it say that Christ's power may rest on me? So at the end of verse 9 it says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on me. Why does it say rest on me and not in me? Like, wouldn't it be more significant if it was in me? And the response was that Christ's power rests on you so that when you do experience weakness, insult, hardships, and you break or you crack open, then Christ's power can just seep into you. And that for when you are weak, then with Christ's power, you are strong. So whether there's biblical truth to that, story or not, um, I just want to encourage you because I think it's a really beautiful metaphor. So, thanks for listening. I don't know how preachers do it because um, I had to come up with something to say for five minutes and it felt like it took me a year's worth of mental energy. Anyways, um, two things I'm hoping that you'll take from my story today. The first thing being that uh, Trying to remember. First thing is that 
uh, keep yourself open, or God will uh, probably uh, laugh at you. And the second thing being that it's not because you're qualified, but because God's qualified you. Yeah. So my life has been a long series of me taking pretty hard stances on things and God laughing directly in my face. So uh, one of the, the best examples I can give is back in high school, uh, I remember one of my boys was like, yo, Drell, there's this girl, she's really dope, you should talk to her. And I'm like, ah, she's whack, there's no chance. That girl ended up being my wife. Yeah. <laughs> but this is not a story about me and my wife. Uh, this is a story about me and my journey to a new working opportunity. So, um, rewind about six months ago or so. Um, I was in working at a smaller private company, and uh, it was a relatively toxic environment. And for those of you who haven't experienced that, I hope you don't think it sucks. Um, but I was there, and it was pretty toxic, and I decided with a little bit of prompting from Kreja that, yeah, you know, it's time for me to make a move. So um, I decided to start looking around, and I consider myself to be relatively well-connected within my industry. So knocked on a couple doors. Um, there were some people who've talked to me in the past. They're like, yeah, you know, we'd love to have you work with us. Um, and so I figured, you know, two weeks tops, I'll have one or two offers and sort of something. Didn't happen. Uh, God laughed in my face again, and he said, uh, no, there's no, no door open there. Everything was closed. No one was interested. And so um, I started handing out resumes and hoping that something at some point would stick and I wouldn't be looking for like years. So eventually one did stick. Um, I got a call from the HR lady, and the HR lady uh, did a quick phone screening. Uh, it was about five minutes or so. She said, hey, we're going to send you a personality test to take afterwards. I don't know if those things work, but I did it. And um, at the at the end of it, uh, I had yeah. So I had to do the personality test, and then shortly thereafter, about a couple hours later, I got a call from one of my really really good friends in the industry. Um, he was like, "Yo, I got a, I, I applied for this position. Say what is me?" Um, he also said that uh, the call went really well, and also he had an in for this position because he knew some folks in the department and they gave him a recommendation. So I was like, great, this is excellent. I love my friend, super happy for him, but um, you know, it's kind of tough for me in that sense. So anyways, go through, going through the process, things are accelerated pretty quickly uh, within about a week and a half or so. And um, at that point, I was getting, I just got through the first interview, and so I checked in with my friend to see how things were going, and uh, it seemed like he had gotten radio silence, so he was kind of phased out of the process by that point, and I was like, oh, that's a little bit interesting, considering that he had, you know, the, the in. And so, um, I get to the second interview now, and um, I'm getting myself ready, and remember, this is during a pandemic, so I'm not actually going to anywhere in person, it's all done online through Microsoft Teams, and so, uh, just picture me for a second, I'm in my bedroom, because Kreeja's working outside, she's got her meetings and whatnot, so I'm sitting in my bedroom, and I've got my, my laptop in front of me on the bed. i got the blank wall behind me. I'm in my full suit and tie uh, and pants because I don't want to be that guy who stands up and he's not wearing pants by accident. So uh, I'm there getting ready, checking everything, making sure everything's working. And I click the meeting link just to make sure that everything's working and, I, and my, my internet speeds is good. <laughs> and then I... For some reason, I'm able to see who's been in and out of that chat, who's entered and exited that particular uh, meeting. And so, most of the names I knew, I was, I was familiar with them, they're either the HR person or it was the uh, hiring managers. But there was one name I didn't quite know, so I just Googled it because I'm like, oh, maybe this is someone who's gonna be joining us. 
It turns out that it was the guy I was competing against. So the HR had made an error. I was able to see who it was I was competing against. So my mouth dropped. I called Krija into the room. It's about five minutes before game time. And I'm like, Krija, come look at this. So I pulled up the guy's LinkedIn profile. This guy's got double the years of experience of me. He's got uh, some kind of Harvard certificate. Uh, he's got um, the similar experiences to me and a little bit more. So I'm like, I feel like I have the word clown written all over my face at this point because it's like, well, these guys just wasted my time. What am I doing here? So I'm going now I'm a minute away from having to go into the interview. And so I'm feeling like, well, here we go, I guess. And so um, the interview went pretty well for the most part, but the whole time, like this was on a Thursday, and I'm like, God, why did I see this? Why did you show me this a minute before I'm, I'm supposed to go to this interview and kind of completely take away my, my confidence to some degree? And so that was on a Thursday, so I had all weekend to think about how much it sucked. Um, and I know Harrison's mentioned in the past that he does his best thinking when he's going for runs. I do my best thinking when I'm on the toilet. That's just what it is. I'm just being honest and transparent with you guys. A little bit too much information, maybe, but that is the truth. Um, so if you ever get a philosophical text from me, you can guess what But that aside, uh, so I'm there thinking, I'm having a war back and forth in my head, like, God, why did you why did you let me see this five minutes before? Like, why did you let these people waste my time and make me think that this was, you know, a great opportunity for me? And then something hit me, and it was it was so good that I it, it couldn't have been something that I came up with on my own. Um, and I knew I'm like I, I came out the bathroom I'm like Creech. I know exactly why I was able to see this. The message that I, I truly believe it was God because it was too smart for me to come up with was I want you to know, Andrew, that before I open this door for you, that it's not because you're qualified, but because I've qualified yeah. you. And so. That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. And the next day, that was a Sunday, the Monday, the HR lady called me and offered me the position. And so, you know, I was extremely grateful. And, and you know, going through that process, it was just filled with so much frustrations and whatnot. And um, the verse that I'll leave you guys with is in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. It says, uh, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And coming out of that situation, the thing that I've learned the most is that um, by not appreciating the season that you're in, even though it's frustrating and aggravating, um, trying to work through it, by not appreciating that particular season, you can miss the blessing that God's preparing you for the next season. Thank you. Yeah. Can we just give every single person out of the stage? inspire you to look within yourself yeah. and say, God, what are you doing in my life? Yeah. And I know if we had time, we could do 30 for 30, because yeah. like, I think that we could just get this place full, because I know God's been working in your lives. So, um, thank you guys all for being vulnerable, for sharing. Thank you guys for responding. 
Um, if you guys can just bow your heads, uh, I just want to close with some prayer. Um, God, I thank you so much uh, for these messages, for the way you're working uh, in every single one of our lives, God. And I pray today that we are inspired to see you moving, to see you working. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and fill out a connect card. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.